0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. From the beginning, they inundate you with lovely, I love you... Messages. You're the best thing since sliced bread. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. They text you all the time. They call you all the time. They FaceTime you. They spend a lot of time with you. They buy extravagant gifts for you. They do extravagant gestures for you. And it's like a dream come true. You think it's the best thing ever, um, but it's all a lie.
1: So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zong, and I'm super excited today to welcome Mara Hall who is an actress and, I mean, she has done it all and now she is adding author, to her list of major accomplishments. And she's been on all kinds of TV shows, including all kinds of ones that I've watched myself, including Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. And she's been on Oprah Winfrey Network and all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, But now she is getting ready to release her first book. Actually, by the time this airs, her first book will already be out called Love Bombing. And it's all about her experience with a nasty narcissist. So she's going to get into it all and how you can heal from narcissism. So welcome, Mara. So excited to have you here.
0: Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me here. Hi, everybody.
1: (laughs) Uh, And you are just the best. And you had me on your Instagram and podcast and we already had an amazing conversation. So I'm so excited to call you my friend and have you in my world. And you are just, I love your light and your energy and you're just amazing. So...
0: Thank you. I appreciate you so much. You are so fabulous and so strong. And like, we are working together to rid the world of all these narcs. (laughs) I know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So first of all, you have had an amazing life. So tell us a little bit about you and your background and your I mean, you were on Grey's Anatomy and scandal. I mean, like, tell us all about your life in general.
0: Sure, so I am born and raised from Detroit, Michigan. I had the amazing experience of growing up there and eventually went on to college where I was a music education major at Jackson State University and I was in the band, I played the clarinet and the tuba. And eventually I started teaching music in Michigan and in Mississippi and in Georgia. And I just lost my passion for music and started acting. Um, this is the the short version of <laughs> the, the bio. Started acting, packed up my 2004 four Focus and drove from Detroit, Michigan, all the way to Los Angeles, California. This was in 2007 to pursue a career in acting. And I stayed there for 16 years after two weeks of me living in Los Angeles. I got my first agent, maybe The same year I started doing TV, reality TV, a TV show on ABC called Dance Machine and then Dance Your Ass Off on Oxygen. And that was where I was able to become Googleable. And I got my first manager. Uh, Her name was Lynn Badgley, Penn Badgley's mother of Gossip Girl. And she got me my first TV job on Nickelodeon's Victorious where I played Andre's crazy cousin Kendra. From there, I just kept the ball rolling, kept working hard, networking, studying my craft to eventually doing a casting director workshop. And with Jamie Castro, one of the casting directors for Grey's Anatomy, I ended up uh, doing seven episodes of Grey's Anatomy as Nurse Kathleen. And from there, you know, my career just took off. I kept working, kept kept grinding, kept hustling in Los Angeles till I booked a role on the Oprah Winfrey network ambitions as a series regular as Darcia Lancaster, the cousin that you love to hate. And that eventually relocated me to Atlanta, Georgia, where I live now. Um, and I was on that TV show and that was my two minute short version of me being a musician to transitioning into acting. And now I'm in Atlanta and I am living my best life as a mother to a beautiful four-year-old toddler, Marlene Nicole.
1: Beautiful. Okay, so how did a narcissist enter your life?
0: You know, Rebecca, what's really interesting is that I've been dealing, dating, um, been around narcissists my whole life, but didn't know that's what they were. Um, and it's really interesting this time around. <laughs> I was it was during the global pandemic. I was on a live streaming app, and I met a gentleman that. Pursued me romantically, and we started dating. And from there, uh, he started love bombing me. And I figured out as the relationship went forward that it wasn't genuine. And the only way that I knew how to heal from it was by journaling and, you know, writing a book about it.
1: So tell us what your definition is of love
0: bombing. My definition of love bombing is when you meet someone and from the beginning they inundate you with lovely, I love you messages. You're the best thing since sliced bread. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. They text you all the time. They call you all the time. They FaceTime you. They spend a lot of time with you. They buy extravagant gifts for you. They do extravagant gestures for you. And it's like a dream come true. You think it's the best thing ever, um, but it's all a lie because you'll find out later on when they go through the other processes that narcissists do that it wasn't genuine. It was all a a means to their madness to try to control you.
1: And usually it's pretty quick
0: that you find that out. So tell us about that. Mm -hmm. It's very quick that you find that out because maybe we were we were, were talking um a month and at like in, in the first two weeks, everything moved very, very fast. And then that person uh, wanted to come visit me at my house during the pandemic. I let him come here. And then immediately when he left, things changed. It was like night and day. He wasn't calling me as much. He wasn't texting me as much. He wasn't telling me these wonderful things anymore. It was like immediately um, things changed and it started the devalue and the discard uh, process of what narcissists do.
1: Okay. So tell us about devalue and discard. Let's go to devalue next.
0: Yes. Yeah, so with my set narcissists and, and all narcissists, because birds of a feather flock together, they all do the same thing. With the devalue process, everything that I did wasn't good enough anymore, or I was becoming worrisome, or I was calling too much, or I was needy. Whereas I just talked to you last week all day for seven hours, but now you don't have time for me or you're working all the time. Whereas before you had all the time in the world to call me, you call me all day, all night. We would be on the phone all day, all night, but everything changed now. So, um, I wasn't good enough. I don't really think he, he, he would say that I would have issues that I had unresolved issues, like with my parents and just tried to downplay me or make me think that I wasn't good enough. All of a sudden, where, before I was his princess, his queen and, and, and saying you know different terms of endearment like that, and it, it immediately changed.
1: right. and and then how is it that narcissists get people to then stay in their world because they devalue right away and all of a sudden you're needy, they're lying, they're you know,' they're, they're ghosting you, they're not showing up. Why wouldn't people just immediately go, I don't need this? You know how do how do people get that how do narcissists get people to
0: stay there? How do they get well for for me and just in general in that love bombing stage, that is very addicting. It's, it's like it's synonymous to you being addicted to crack or di- addicted to heroin, where you're on a drug, you're you're in a euphoric feeling. So you always want to feel that feeling. And as soon as you, you know, say something, because that happened when I was going through the devalue stage um, in the discard stage where I saw something wasn't right. And things weren't adding up uh it seemed like he was bipolar or he had like some personality issues i didn't know what it was but i just knew something was wrong and me and him got into like a really really bad argument and he was yelling at me at the top of his lungs he was just really acting like dr jekyll mr high and i said you know this is too much for me i wish you nothing but the best God bless you. Good luck. And at that time, I'm like, I'm about to move on because something is wrong here. And that's immediately that night, he started to gaslight me and love bomb me again. And so Because you already have that initial euphoric love bombing period where you're already bonded with this person or trauma bonded with them when they're saying these things again because you're a natural empath and you're believing what they're saying to you because you tell the truth. You would think someone else would tell the truth. So you get sucked back into it. And then it it starts over and over again and they keep it going. So like, I remember vividly being on the phone, like, am I in the twilight zone? Why is this person saying all these things to me? And now he's calling me at two o'clock in the morning saying, oh, you're going to leave me. You're going to make me get another woman. I thought you said you love me. I thought you said you want to spend the rest of You just called me everything but a child of God three hours ago, sir. What is going on here? And so I didn't know anything about narcissism. I didn't know this is what people do. So I, I just I, I didn't know.
1: <laughs> right. They, they know how to manipulate you. They know exactly what to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yes. yes and yes. They, and they future fake you. Yes, yes. And they yes. say exactly what they know you want to hear. Absolutely. So absolutely. that you'll stay. Absolutely. absolutely. And, it and it's this it rubber works. band thing, mm. like they push you to the edge. And then they snap you back in,
0: right? Yes. And and this happened to me at least 30 times, you know, where we would get in an argument and or I would try to leave him alone. And I still didn't know he was a narcissist still didn't know. And he, like you just said, the pushing and the pulling and, and the devaluing and the discarding and then the gaslighting, it's just, it was total BS the whole time. It's like, if you say you want to do something, if you want to be with me, then be with me. You know, the next stage that happened was we, um, He was
1: coming, but I I wanted you to to explain that because I want people to understand people who aren't in relationships with narcissists to understand. Well, why don't people just leave? You know, if they're treating you badly, why don't you just leave? You know, and and, and because a lot of people, I think, think that. And I want you to explain it's just so not that easy. And I, I, you know, and I think it's really important that you explain why it's not so easy to just go, yeah, you know, I'm just going to be out of here. You know,
0: it's not easy Um, because, I, you know, I would talk to my mother about it and she wouldn't understand just why can't you just let it go? Why can't you just leave him alone? And you, you if it was a regular relationship, that's exactly what what would, that's what you would do in a regular relationship, but this is not a regular relationship. This is something that I feel is very demonic, very toxic. And anytime you try to leave their sole mission is to control you, to use you for their narcissistic supply because they're empty and soulless on the inside. So they don't want you to leave because they're sucking all your goodness away from you. Okay. And every time you have an interaction with them, they're pulling that energy. They're pulling your vibe. They're pulling all of your your inner goodness and they're using that to fill themselves up. So that's one thing. Another thing is that anytime you try to leave them and you try to move on down the road, they're going to do many different tactics to pull you back in and to, to grab you back in just so they can have you under their thumb. It's the sickest thing I've ever encountered because I I literally can tell you, I'm like, why won't this person just leave me alone? And then they would have other people that they're talking to, that they're dating. He had a whole girlfriend I didn't even know anything about. And then he would have several other people that he's talking to at the same time. So why are you, why are you bothering me? Leave me alone. I've, I've said, leave me alone. I want to go on with my life every time I try to go on with my life. He's pulling me back in. I love you. Don't leave me. All of this. And every time for at least the first 10 times, you want to believe it because you really, from the love bombing stage, you really are in love with this person.
1: Mm -hmm. And you want to believe somehow on some level that Maybe they do love you. Maybe they do think that you're special, that, you know, you do have something that's real. Yes.
0: Well, you think it's real. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. Powerless. I felt like I was possessed under a demonic spell of this person where all I could think about was them. And why they didn't love me and why they would do this to me.
1: Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free win my negotiation cheat sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com.
0: Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes
1: that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life.
0: It was really after he passed that I kind of, you know, kind of fell into the void, so to speak, um, and actively pursued some really unique deployments really outside of my typical scope of practice um, in, in hopes to really put myself more in harm's way, God's honest truth, I, I just, I, I felt the, the pain and the weight of this loss and just being so lost now. And now we return to today's show. I thought it was real, I thought you know, I was the Bonnie to his Clyde because he was artistic. You know, he was, he was into artistic endeavors. Um, and I was an actress. I was going to be his muse. I just thought he was like the best thing ever. And I really thought that this was my guy. This was my man. This was would be my potential soulmate, but it was all a lie. It was all a lie. And it, as, as the process kept going on and on and on and Uh, into a year later, and he's still doing the same things. (laughs) It's like, enough is enough. You start writing about it. You start researching. You start finding wonderful people like yourselves, like you on Instagram and on Facebook, where you see, okay, I'm not crazy. This is a thing. This is real. This person is, is systematically trying to manipulate me and trying to take control of me and is literally playing me to the left. And once you realize that and you see everything that's going on, you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm just gonna have to figure out a way to heal from this and move on. Yeah.
1: And what was
0: that moment for you? I I knew when we we were on, one of the apps, we were on the apps and he was trying to embarrass me having his, um, his flying monkeys. And those are terms for people that are advocates for the narcissist to take up for them that believe everything that they say, and they attack you in the process because they're trying to defend the narcissist. When he sent his flying monkeys out to me, I knew that something was wrong. Why would this person try to embarrass me? Why would this person try to, um, harm me when I'm just trying to go on my way? Um, I think the worst thing that you can do to a narcissist is expose them. Um, Mm -hmm. and from the beginning, once I saw that this, he was first, I called him a love bomber because that was the first term that I, that I found. But as I saw that he was a narcissist, I was really working hard to say, Hey, this person isn't right. Okay. But at the same time, he was, starting a whole smear campaign against me, saying that I was crazy, that I was psycho, that I was stalking him and all of these lies where people would literally believe him until I started recording the conversations that we would have. And I started doing that because no one would believe the things that I'm saying because they're believing him. They're not believing me. They think I'm a stalker. They think I'm crazy and I'm not. And it just, enough became enough. I started journaling because I literally thought I was losing my mind. And my friend, I would talk to one of my, I would talk to a small amount of friends because people wouldn't believe me and they didn't understand what was going on. So you couldn't really talk to a lot of people about what was going on because people would get frustrated. A couple of people stopped talking to me because they, they said they're talking about this was triggering for them or it was too negative and so there was a small amount of friends that I could talk to and one of them told me like Mara, you should just write this down and it sounds like you're in a whole like telenovela of a soap opera this could be, <laughs> this could be a, a movie this could yeah be,
1: exactly you know. I mean that's
0: but that's what it's like
1: living with them that's what it's
0: like and um, Rebecca, what's really interesting is that the relationship that I had with this narcissist was only two months long, but it felt like it was two and a half years long.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was in a business partnership with a narcissist. And when I realized that from beginning to end, it was only one year, yeah. I couldn't believe it because it felt like 10, Ten years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I So I believe it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so how did you get out of it then?
0: um truth truthfully to this day he still contacts me um Mm. i blocked him i actually have to go to court against um my narcissist because it's just a a big deal for me to advocate for myself um because he owes me a, a substantial amount of money and i had to prove to myself that you can't do this to people that there are consequences and repercussions. So I'm going to take you to the highest extent of the law. Have I tried to um, rectify the situation or you know have a compromise? Yes, but he told, he called me on my name and told me to take him to court. Okay, just unfortunately it's taken two years for that court case to come around in New York City, so.
1: Mm, well, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what happens, right? Yes. <laughs> so what made you
0: decide to write a book? I started to write the book because it was the only thing that I could do that made me feel better to take a stance, like everything that was happening on the app, everything that he was doing to me, I felt powerless. The abuse that I was getting from him, from his friends, from his flying monkeys. I didn't know what else to do, but write about it and write a book about it because that was my way of saying, Hey, you can't do this to me. And I'm going to show you why you can't, cause I'm going to write about it. And so that's what started, that's what started me down the path to write it. I didn't really know how to write a book. Um, so I enlisted a, a writing coach, AJ Joyner of Biloxi Books. He helped me out with that, starting that. But then when he started to read the book, he said, Mara, this is really good. and you can use this as a a tool and a vessel to help other people not go through the same thing that you went through. So that's when I started adding all of the narcissistic terms to it, where at first it was just based off of what happened off of my experiences. But then I added things to it. I added a lot of fictional elements. You know, I'm an actress, so my mind wanders and it goes (laughs) way to the left. So I started adding bits and pieces from other, um, Encounters with narcissists into the book as well.
1: Mm. And why did you decide to write a book about narcissism instead of acting?
0: (laughs) That's a good question. You know, there are so many acting books out there and I think we are flooded with acting this, acting that, entertainment, this entertainment, that, um, I never knew about love bombing. I never knew about narcissism. I felt like it was an untapped, untapped um, genre, or uh, and people don't know about it. And they do know about it, but they don't talk about it, especially in the African American community. A lot of times we'll just gloss over it, like, "Oh, that's just Tyrone. You know, he's mannish, or you know, his mama didn't raise him right. You know, this is," and so we just we flip it under the rug and we don't really talk about it. But I really felt that it was important to have it come from a perspective from someone like me that you would think has everything together, but still would be a victim to this type of abuse.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I like to do is is I, I, I like to get people to actually verbalize how they felt when they were at their lowest because i think it's important for people to feel what other people were feeling you know and and actually understand that it's not just them you know so when you were at your lowest can you verbalize some of the things that you were feeling cuz you you just used the word powerless and i think when when you when people hear that that's how you felt people are going to go oh yeah, I felt that way too. Yeah. So can you just verbalize some of the other words like that you felt at your lowest?
0: Powerless. I felt like I was possessed under a demonic spell of this person where all I could think about was them and why they didn't love me and why they would do this to me. Um, I felt, uh, I felt black, a black hole of, of deceit and deception. And, and I felt sorrow. I felt pain. I felt misery. I, I wouldn't wish I felt powerless. I felt hopeless. I felt like this would never end. I felt like literally I was about to die.
1: Mm, yeah. That's just so, I- Thank you for being willing to be so vulnerable and sharing yeah. that. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to to come out and talk about that and share that. And So I really appreciate you being willing to do that because I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, I mean, I, I know for me... You know, I didn't want to talk about it for the longest time because I'm feel, I'm over here going, you know, I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to be powerful. I'm supposed to be this badass attorney. But, you know, I felt like it was in sharing my story like that It it, it helped a lot of people, you know, right. because for me, it was like. I was. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I'm thinking about it. I would wake up in the morning. I'm thinking about it. As I'm waking, brushing my teeth. I'm thinking about. it. I'm walking the dog. I'm thinking about. it. It's like you. You just like it takes over your thoughts. You, all of your you, thoughts. Literally all the time. You 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 just you you become obsessed. Yes. Obsessed.
0: Yes. You know. Obsessed to the point of a ritual of, of following what he's doing on social media. If he was on the live streaming app, watching his every move, watching his girlfriend, watching the other girls that he's dating, seeing what they're doing, seeing if they're saying anything. I mean, because you feel like they're, they're out to get you. They're out to get you. And, and then you, because the empath in you, you want to help. The other person that's involved with him, let them know. Hey, abort, abort, get away from him. Yeah, not- I mean, like,
1: oh my god, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like you've healed now?
0: I I am probably like at eighty percent. I say seventy five percent. I I'm a lot better. Um, I still have a long way to go. I'm in therapy. I this has been therapeutic. Just talking on different platforms and being on Instagram and just the community that we have, the narcissism community, and just how much me telling this story is helping other people and the things that they're writing is so needed. Like, because people just don't have an outlet as to why this is happening or how they can get out of it. And I know that I am making an impact and that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And what do you
1: hope that readers take away from from your book?
0: I hope that readers will see the signs of a narcissist from reading my book. Like they can recollect and say, oh, that's what happened in Mara's book to Heather. Oh, that's when Kyrie did X, Y, and Z. Oh, wait a second. This guy is talking to me too much and he's like laying it on thick. Well, he, is he love bombing me? Because my friend said, Mara, I think a guy I dated, he was trying to love bomb me she said that to me like a couple of weeks ago i said i said well how did you know he was he told me that he wanted to get married to me i was like yep run for run and And run run for for the hills right yeah so that's what i would like for people just to see the signs so that they don't have to go through this
1: yeah and protect
0: themselves Mm -hmm. protect themselves and protect their family and their friends just to to bring more awareness to it so people are cognizant of what, Because uh, there's a lot of selfish people out here. So there's a difference between someone being selfish and someone that being self-absorbed and being a narcissist.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so where can they find it? Where can they find out more about you? So I would love if you guys would follow me on my social media platforms. That would be at Mara underscore Hall on Instagram and then at love the Book on Instagram. And you can also find anything lovebombing on my website at www.lovebombingthebook.com. You can purchase it there and you can also purchase it on Amazon and also Apple Books.
1: Yes, and we will have all the links in the show notes as well. So go check her out, check out her stuff, follow her. She's amazing and get her book. So thank you, Mara. Hope it (laughs) sells lots and lots of copies for you. So excited for you and hope it helps lots and lots of people. So thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening.